Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are going to be talking about the books that came out on October twenty fifth, twenty twenty two, starting with the finale to Catwoman: Lonely City, uh, written and illustrated by Cliff Chang. I know I'm angering Vince, but not doing this in alphabetical order. But I just feel like this is the marquee thing we got to talk about this week. This book it took just about a year to come out. Uh, the first issue came out, I believe, in November or possibly December of last year. But each one has been uh, oversized. Each one has been gorgeously rendered. And I, I, I don't know how much more praise I can dump on this comic. Uh, but I'm, But we'll try. Zach, what did you think of this issue? I th- I thought it was good. I think it was maybe the weakest issue of the run just because it was all falling movement, you know, and I I think this is just like a me problem. I I I find myself like often very if not wholly like bored it's just at least like somewhat disinterested with like endings of stories and the way that this story ended okay i will say Hang the on, lead up, the breaking into vince and i are both tripping over our dicks right now to say that you're like don draper you only like the beginnings of things i anyway, do only like the that is absolutely true you can look at the number of books and games and and tv shows that i have started and never finished to know, to know that that is true um I really liked the sequence leading into the break-in of of the Batcave. Mm-hmm. Everything after that, I thought was just okay. The reveal of what the the Orpheus pit was 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 interesting, and like what it meant, what it means for like this version of Bruce and Selena as characters was interesting. But I also thought it was kind of an underwhelming reveal to be built up so much over the course of the, the book. Um, and then everything resolved fairly cleanly, which is not a bad thing necessarily. I just, I just, this book has been so good at like swerving and being, being really surprising and repurposing characters and using them in really unique and interesting ways for it to end, you know, kind of so cleanly and, and sort of like, in a way predictably i think i think that's like a little a slightly disappointing but i think as a whole like as a whole story not not necessarily just talking about this issue but like the whole thing it's an incredible work that you know it's one of the best things that dc has published in in year so it's kind of like it's hard to complain you know i i just think uh if every other issue in this series was like a, a 9 this was maybe more like a seven and a half for me. Vince would say you. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really feel any of that. I liked the clean ending to it. In fact, I think, I think I was kind of relieved that it, tied up so neatly because i don't know if we're gonna get a follow-up to this or not 
not that every story that has kind of a, a messy or, or, or quote unquote open ending needs a follow up. You know, I think like sometimes it's folly to think that way, but I think like I, it's, it's stuck the landing in a way that didn't bug, like nothing it did bugged me. Everything was very fitting. Everything, all, every choice made was as smart as kind of every choice along the way has been for, for Cliff Chang in this book. Um, right down to like Harvey Dent getting his comeuppance because he like impulsively shoots a police officer and kills him when he doesn't have to. And then that is the thing that ends up getting him put away <laughs> you know it's mm -hmm. it's almost tangential to any of the other crimes and, and and stuff that he's committing um and you know how you know how i love like kind of like alt future like i, I could see this being something that is returned to maybe not in like a uh, a full blown black label follow up series or or what have you, but like all of a sudden down the road in an anthology book, Cliff Chang does like a ten page, uh, Catwoman Lonely City interlude mm. or something where we return to her being in a relationship with the Riddler, having this sort of new chosen family that she doesn't have in any other reality you know mm -hmm. uh it's 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 only four issues but it's already this like fully formed world that i would i would i would like to say exists as part of this new like infinite multiverse right like somewhere out there there's going to be a selena with a with a gray streak in her hair and and she's right macking on the riddler you know yeah um and and again, like the uh, the art is so consistent. Like everything I've said before about Cliff Chang's art and this book applies to this book. There's no drop off. I don't think a drop off in Cliff Chang is something that exists. You know, hmm. I can't imagine what that would look like. Um, everything is just so clean and consistent. Uh, my my my, my favorite underrated moment of the issue, weirdly enough is there's like a three panel cutaway when Etrigan is uh, opening up the bat cave and it cuts to Zatanna at like a HBO's hacks style uh, Las Vegas. Uh, what what do you call that when residency. someone residency, yeah, res yeah. residency, right, right. Uh, and like for a moment, she's shaken up by like this intense use of magic. And then they, they, they cut back away to the action and we never see Zatanna again. And that is like, how smart a choice is that for Cliff Chang to just say, Hey, I want to see what Zatanna is doing for like a second. Any, a lot of other writers would have like, if they were going to do that, they were going to say, well, well now Zatanna has got to get whisked away to the bat cave and get involved in the action. Right. Mm -hmm. but no it's a here it's a gag and that's perfect that's like that's all it needs to be doesn't need to complicate anything more than it already is 
I was expecting to see her again and then not seeing her again and realizing it was just a gag made it even better somehow. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stridently disagree with anything you said, Zach. Uh, I just didn't feel that way. I, I felt like this was as good as any, like, this is just, this is just one solid work all the way through that I can't really poke holes in. Uh, and also the old dying Alfred Pennyworth looks like the, the old man from the, I think you should leave car ideas sketch. And so that's fun too. That is fun. Um, I would say that as usual, I fall somewhere in between you guys. I think that this book slightly suffered from the long layoff between issues. I want to say this is even a longer layoff than we've had between other issues. Correct. I didn't notice. I don't remember. It feels like it, whether it is or not, that's how it felt to me. Um, and, you know, I think that it, it is often hard to end a series like this, especially when it's a series that doesn't have its tendrils in other things, right? This is this is a very self-contained story, and so it kind of has to kill the landing. It has to stick it, or else people are never going to feel like... Uh, I don't know. It's just I think there's a lot of pressure on a book like this to to stick the landing well, and I thought it more or less did. I liked every moment that happened in it. There was nothing in the book that I felt was like false or didn't ring true in some way. I thought that I mean I think I think Selena is doing such a good Chang is doing such a good job writing an older Selena. I think it's it's one of my favorite interpretations of that character that I've ever read, and I like a fair amount of uh of Catwoman books. So this is, you know, that that's saying something. But even if this book had no dialogue whatsoever, Chang's artwork is absolutely worth the price of admission regardless. Um there's just something about the way that Chang there's a way that, that he uses so he's coloring himself and the color is actually one of my favorite moments here i think the color does a really nice job of bringing us in and out of sequences like each sequence in this book kind of has a color that it it associates with it in the very very beginning it's like a pinkish purple for the joker stuff then once etrigan gets there it's a it's an orange sort of feel to the book once they get into the bat cave it turns into a very like a grayish blue uh color motif and I just think that it, it helps break the scenes up a little bit and gives each scene its own distinctive look. And Chang is a master of giving people incredibly expressive body languages and facial expressions without it looking over the top. Nobody has a big goofy smile when they're happy or like a giant grimace when they're sad. He just leverages every tiny pencil stroke into something that is supposed to get you to react one way or another. The book is just so beautiful looking. I I could I could look at Cliff Chang's work all day. I also think that one of the negative parts about this issue is just the um how predictable certain things are. As soon as they I saw that like metal battering thing, I was like, oh, that's gonna go in one of his eyes. That's just what this is what happens in comics, right? There's a couple of moments like that where it's a little bit easy to see what's happening. But for the most part, this issue wrapped up the series nicely. 
like I said, it looked beautiful doing it. And when I spoke to Cliff Chang about this book last year, he said that he's always wanted to do a book where he did everything and that's never happened before. And he wants to keep doing that. And so I hope that DC keeps giving him the opportunity to do books like this, even if it's not set in this world. I just want Cliff Chang to do more stuff. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Any uh, any final comments on this? Uh, no, I just think this is like one of the uh, modern seminal works at DC. I think that this is something, you know, we kind of talk about all the time, like what's the you know, what's the new like shelf candy that's going to just like that people are going to recommend to people for years to, you know, maybe not years to come. I don't don't know. It's so, it's so hard, but like, what's the next thing that is going to be an an evergreen. And I I think that this is one of the best examples that DC's had in in years. This is Cliff Chang's all-star Superman. Mm Mm-hmm. The book that lives up to the potential that he's shown his whole career, but he's doing something that's totally his own. And uh, yeah, this is also Superman. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break. And when we return, we will talk about uh, Kal-El Returns. So stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We are the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast. I'm Jaina. And I'm Elias. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. And we are back with a look back at the three-part event, Kal-El Returns. It has run through Action Comics 1047 and 1048, as well as Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 16. Um, so I, I don't I don't want to necessarily speak for the three of us, but I think all three of us were relatively let down by War World, and we're looking forward to getting the next chapter of the Superman saga underway. And we know that there is new books coming next year. We talked about those last time, but this book, this event, rather mini event, whatever you're going to call it crossover. This does the, this does the sort of legwork of just getting the pieces in place for the next Superman thing. And I think that there's good and bad about that. I, do you guys want to talk about this issue by issue or just kind of overall? <laughs> issue by issue. I there's think. like a few issue by issue things that I want to talk about, which are mostly the art, but um, I'm fine either way. All right. So the, the first uh, first issue, Action 1047, is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, illustrated by Ricardo Federici, Vince's favorite artist. <laughs> and um, Zach, why don't you start us off with this one? Um, so despite not 
like I've liked Federici on some of the World World stuff. I don't think that this is a this type of Superman book or this type of Superman story here is a good fit uh, for Federici at all. Um, despite that, I really like this story and the way it's told and kind of the the promise that it gives. I really like this post-World World status quo. Um, All three of us love a new status quo. I do love... <laughs> I love beginnings! Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and I say there are some really good pages in this. I think the page... Uh, the page of War World like re-entering that the atmosphere or whatever like that's that's like really wild stuff. Um, but overall, like again, I don't think it's a very good fit. But I, I really like the way that Johnson writes Clark in this. I like the stuff with Lex a lot. Um, I'm interested in where this could go so i think i think out of the gate it's, it's an interesting start for me it's interesting you bring up the lex stuff because to me this seems like very boilerplate lex stuff it is but uh i mean it's not bad it doesn't it yeah. doesn't appear to be bad lex stuff but it doesn't it's it we we've seen all of this before. We you're right. We have. I guess it's just kind of like comfort food. Like, you know, Lex has been kind of absent from absent from the DC universe of late. And the last time he was doing anything, he was merged with Martian DNA. <laughs> you know? Yes. This is like good classic Lex stuff. I can buy that, sure. He's just uh he's talking out both sides of his mouth. He's playing the field. He's injecting his brain into a robot in space so that it can go see what's going on in real world. It's, you know, basic like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a, oh, Vince, you go ahead first. Um, yeah, I didn't care for this almost at all um i think they probably put the the nut faces all over the cover of this so that it would the federici art inside would look better mm-hmm. um and that worked i guess kind of i just i don't care for the art at all the writing was there's nothing really wrong with it it's fairly boilerplate the the john corbin metallo stuff Lex coming to make him an offer. They show his sister coming and visiting every day. We'll, we'll talk about it when we talk about a later issue of this, but y- you know exactly where that's going from the start. Not a single thing about that is surprising. I feel like Corbin's been used to this end in this exact same way before, although I wouldn't be able to pinpoint uh, where or when. Um, but yeah, all that's all that stuff felt very old hat. You know, uh in a prior episode of this podcast, Zach said something about uh, uh you know, all the ingredients of DC Comics, you know, until you start adding stuff like Watchmen and Wildstorm. 
all these ingredients are expected and you've seen them used in, in pretty much every way they can be. Well, I guess he was right because yeah, this, this is, this is all Lex stuff we've seen before beat by beat. Same with Metallo. Um, the Superman kind of arguing with the government over bringing these refugees from war world. All that stuff is very like uh current eventy and and of course very relevant but i feel like it's tip like tip as is typical of cape comics it's fairly like middle of the road mealy mouth you know like clearly clearly superman wants to do right by these people but there's some talk about well i'm i'll take them back home you know uh so I don't know. It remains to be seen where that stuff goes, but it 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 tries to do the the politics thing while not while not really making all that much of a statement about it either. Um, you you know what this is for me? What is this? It it is both taking Superman back to like the most classic status quo that I was we have about had to say that a, yes in a while, especially like when we get to some of the the other issues we're going to talk about. And it's also like potentially new Krypton yeah. <laughs> 2.0. And so both, I think both of those things, despite everything you're saying being absolutely true and everything that I said during the Flashpoint discussion, it's 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 ticking both of those like comfort food boxes for me that I'm I'm able to like look past all of that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so what I was going to say was there's one scene in the issue that really did it for me. And that is the scene when it's the first time we see Clark in the issue where he saves that family in the car and the little boy offers him flash dog, his like stuffed animal. And he tells him to just wear his seatbelt. Like that feels like essentially Christopher Reeve, Superman, Mm -hmm. like on the page. And that is obviously a huge like nostalgia thing for me. And I think that, there will always be like every third or fourth Superman story will always be somebody trying to recreate the Richard Donner films at this point. Like that is just, that is enough of a cultural touchstone that that is the way that people are going to be that that is the easiest reset of the Superman books. Well, and don't you like, don't you know, like, all Superman is anymore is like nostalgia um, for better or worse, unless it's like, you know Morrison writing Superman, and 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 even then they're still playing with some of those a lot of those tropes, right? Right. But like, you know, it's either it's either referencing the re the Reeve stuff, the movies. It's referencing the '90s. You know, the Triangle, Death of yep. Superman. Mm-hmm. It's referencing uh, the animated series. When you is know, somebody going to reference Grounded for Christ's sake? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, come on. Put um, some respect on JMS's name. Uh, but, you know, that, but, but, that's gonna that's gonna be Man of Steel too. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah. So like, yeah, it's like wh- <laughs> optimally, it would be great if somebody would come in and just completely like create that next touchstone era for Superman. Um, but it's like every time anybody tries, it fails, and so like the next thing that comes in has to. Uh, go back to basics again, and and just 
you know, c- come at it again, fresh or, or not fresh, but like you, you got to go back to basics before you can launch a big power play again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm excited for the I'm excited for the new status quo, but I, I'm. I don't they don't need to do like a lead up to every new status quo. Uh, and I feel like remember before they did war world, the lead up to war world was so interminable. Yeah. I, I don't like this new trend where, where there there's, there's an event or there's an arc and there's a lead up to the arc. Well, this just feels kind of like a, a world world epilogue really. Yeah. yeah. They have to get, well, have to get Clark yeah. back on earth somehow. And they, they didn't did though. They don't No, they don't. He, all of a sudden he's just there. And well, I, I think I think there is some there is something to be said about like the emotional resonance in, in both this first issue and in the first issue of the son of Kal-El part where, you know, Clark reuniting with his family um, is 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 a little worthwhile. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's talk about that second uh, issue. So me. the second issue is um, son of Kal-El 16. Written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by uh, Cian Tormi, and I, I find it interesting that this issue references the Dan Jurgens, Lois, and Clark series because we know we're getting <laughs> a backup of that in a few months. So well, that- I, I think it's weird because didn't uh, d- what was that? Whatever that Superman story, the like crossover between. Uh, you know, the Tomasi Jurgens books in Rebirth mm-hmm. with uh, Mr. Mixpidalik, didn't that like them merging like retcon all of this stuff so that it didn't really happen that like. There's no way. If no- uh, there's I was no just going to say there's no way. But this knowing. this suit is like specifically the like Lois and Clark, you know, pre Rebirth Jurgens suit. Which is funny. Yes. Uh, yeah, I do not care. Either way, it doesn't matter if this was like retconned and then re- unretconned. It's a cool suit. I'm I'm fine with it. I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are the best looking pages uh, of this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, I also feel like one of the things that we, <laughs> like Zach and I have talked a lot about on this show, how uh, parent child stuff just hits us differently at this point in our lives. And I feel like both from the perspective of somebody who has a son and somebody who has lost his dad, the, the reconnection pages really hit for me. Um, but I recognize that that's, that's all about me. That is not about the book at all, necessarily. Although I think that Taylor does a nice job of bringing them together, but this, I, we already know he's back. This this issue was there really isn't any like quote reason for it. And so because of that, you have to just judge it on you there there's a different calculus when something is part of a larger story or when something is just kind of filling space. And this is a space filler, but I thought that of the three, this is this is the most enjoyable of the space fillers. I I would just I don't I don't agree I agree that it is a space filler it was not my favorite of the three issues, um, 
to tip my hand, the next one is my favorite of the three issues. You're a big Mike Perkins guy. I'm not a big Mike Perkins guy, although I did I do think that this was the good Mike Perkins. Um, but uh, yeah, this one I thought was kind of I thought this issue was kind of a stinker because like aside from those like opening three pages, and then like the last two or whatever, this was this was just here to fill space. Like this barely this didn't move the needle on like whatever Taylor's like ongoing. John's story is at all, you know. But I, I mean, I, to be fair, I don't think that the other store, other issues, did that much for the Philip Kennedy Johnson Superman story that much. Oh, I, I do think that because it is like, it's. I definitely think that those two, the issues of action, move the needle a lot more because the first issue is Clark coming back and like establishing that War World is on Earth and kind of getting the ball rolling for the next storyline. And then the next issue that we're going to talk about continues that story in a pretty significant way. I guess you're right about that. I, I guess what I... What Whereas, I feel, like, the John story doesn't move at all. That's fair, but I will also say that I think with the John story changing or going away, however, however we're defining the end of the ongoing... I feel like this does a good job of reminding folks who maybe haven't been with this the whole time, but are going to be picking this up because it's part of this call out returns thing. It does a pretty good job of summarizing what the book has been. That's a good, that is a good point. Yeah. I don't know if you need that necessarily or not, but I think it does a good job of that. that I think that is a good point. I think you could almost kind of like look at it like the son of call book has ended already and uh, <laughs> right yeah and because yeah. It, like this this tie-in is the or this, this crossover is the end of the book like it's the mm -hmm. last issue of uh son of call is the part three of or you know the, the third part of its portion um it i think it ends with issue 18 right i think so yes yeah yeah so i guess that is fine um I also but think, like, did... and again, there's, I don't know if there's actual value to this or not, but I think that if in the future somebody says, like, hey, there was that period of time where John Kent was Superman, what was that all about? If you just handed them this book, it sort of tells you. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, fair. and I think it has some of the elements that have been my favorite about his time as Superman, like him warming up Lois's coffee, not the first time. But the second time when he swings home just to do it is like a perfect John Kent moment. And I think there are some really nice moments like that that happen throughout the book where it just feels like this is the John Kent that I love. And, and I wish, you know, I don't know if any of us really thought that John Kent would be like the Superman going forward because we're all cynical and no better. But I wish that there was an issue of, say, Dick Grayson as Batman that was like this. Or like, you know, just a, an issue to celebrate the status quo that we know is sort of going away. It's it's give it's giving this era of John Kent its flowers. And sure. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, that's fair. And then we move on to the third part, which is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, illustrated by Mike Perkins. And as Zach mentioned, uh, this is setting up sort of the next arc of action. We get the new gods showing up. We get Bibbo showing up. Uh, Bibbo, who is 
drummed by Mike Perkins as just 2022 Sylvester Stallone, which is fine by me. Totally works. Um, that, uh, Vince, why don't you start us off with this one? Um, did didn't care for it. <laughs> uh, this this I'm 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 excited for the new status quo, but the lead up to it or this interstitial arc or whatever you want to call it, the the Kal-El returns stuff has been a big stinker for me. <laughs> and I think the Bibbo stuff is the best part of this. Like I think Bibbo's really well written here, and I think he's got a fun inclusion. Uh, here, but aside from that, like, first of all, I'm not a Mike Perkins guy. This is well established. <laughs> I don't like the way that these new gods Kirby characters look at all in this. That's interesting because I actually, I think they're the best part <sighs> of it. Uh, of the, like, I think they are the best thing that Perkins draws. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, like I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want a Mike Perkins New Gods book, but I I like this well enough. If Mark, know. if Mike Perkins ever wanted to do an Apocalypse book, I would actually maybe be here for it. It's it's so I I know maybe you'll say that this is a good thing, but it's so not Kirby to me. Yeah. No, I, you're you're right. It's not. I like when I like when the when Kirby characters at DC are. I, I would almost rather the artist apes Kirby, even if no one is Kirby. Like, I'm trying to think of who drew That's the. That's why you're uh, such a big Keith Giffen fan. Yes, I'm a fan of Keith Giffen when he draws like Kirby. All the time. No, it's not all the time. It's not all the time. There are. There are subtle differences. There, there is definitely a time where he's aping Kirby more than usual. Um, so, may I ask a question of the group here? Yeah. Is the is the current status quo still that Orion is the head of Apocalypse? I guess so. I had forgotten about that. Me too. And then this happened. I was like, wait a minute. Why is he hanging out with Calabac and Desaad? That makes I was thinking that it was maybe being reboot. Like the fourth world is being not I, I like re yeah, I guess rebooted, restarted, or like this was like a new status quo. But when did that happen? Isn't it after Darkseid died? In Infinite Frontier. Yes. yes. That was an infinite frontier development that yeah. or may or Justice League Incarnate. Yeah, one of those two. Yes, you're right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's but I, I, I had totally memory hold that until I saw it here. Yeah, I can. I still completely forgot until you said anything. That makes much more sense. Yeah. When did Metron come back? <laughs> Hasn't he always been around? Wasn't he dead in? Uh... I feel like he. I feel like he was dead at some point. I mean, Wally West was the Metron for a while, wasn't he? Or at least yeah, sat I on the Metron he just, chair. Like, gave him the chair didn't he or he didn't die i thought he i thought like wally west found his like cooked body or something maybe he did um but of course he's not gonna stay dead i you know i'm not mm. i'm not stupid hold uh, on well I, let me see my orion bit now while zach's looking this up say it all one of my problems with orion in general as a character 
is that so many people just write him in the most obnoxious way. And having him as the leader of Apocalypse here, he's written even more obnoxiously than he normally is. And so who gives a shit about this, Orion? Yeah, the, these new this take on the new gods is not fun at all. Oh, yes. So... Metron did die. The chair... Uh, I forgot that the chair owl man became the master of the Mobius chair for a minute. Uh, but then in death metal, um, the chronicler brought Metron back to life. Mm. It was in one of those tie-ins. Yes. I vaguely but, remember that now. Uh, Rise of the new God was the one. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm really interested in whatever they're going to do with these twins. I thought I, I thought it was in this issue, but it was actually in the first Action Comics issue. There's that bit where Lois and Clark are flying, and the they have left the twins at home, and they're like playing with John's toys. And Lois is talking about how like good it feels to have them there, and kind of how it fills a like part in her that was left when John like aged up and like Clark's like, well, you know, they're not, they're not John. Right. Kind of like kind of patronizingly. I thought, um, yeah, that's and, a little bit of a shitty thing to say. Yeah, it kind of was, but I was like, Oh, obviously I don't know that, but it like still feels good. Um, and I, I just, I thought that was like a really not clever, but just like a really smart angle to take with the these characters and and then having them go on this like zoo trip with lois and uh and meet up with bibbo and and that whole thing was just like so wholesome and fun and um the 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 way that these two characters are intersecting with the story both in terms of like their relationship with clark and lois and then like you know this whole thing with the first gods and the new gods and like all that like that's like zach bait you know through and through so i i'm really interested this is like the new um christopher kent kind of thing you know again <laughs> again tying it back to new krypton it's like it's the it's the new chris kent so i, I i'm here for it i don't know if i'd go new chris kent far but you know uh, how, get, how is it not? It's like it's a new little kid that's introduced. Yeah, I, I to the guess Superman I just enjoyed family. that so much more. <laughs> but, well, it's know. only been two issues so far. I, I can tell you, I'm going to enjoy that so much more. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you will. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that the Chris Kent stuff was that good after uh, he got aged up. Uh, you're right about that too. It would um, be funny if the little boy did the. <laughs> this is, is going to be a classic DC three reference. Did the beer fest thing where he's <laughs> like, you just just refer to me as John Kent, Chris Kent, you mean, or, or John, no, John, no, or Chris? no, I'm saying John to make up for. The oh, okay, got it. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just refer to me as John from now on? And then the adult John like gets killed in a future issue of <laughs> in, in the finale of the Tom Taylor miniseries that's coming out. And that's their way that they de-age John. <laughs> Wow. 
That's a uh, that's a dark thought, my friend. Well, the <laughs> dark thought. I'm I'm the Joker, baby. Truly, truly are. Um. Yeah, I mean, this stuff's. I, I like this in theory, but I didn't love the either issue of action. I think it's interesting. I think it's a. In, it is introducing quality ideas, but there is nothing about what Johnson actually put on the page that is all that interesting to me. Uh, I hope that changes. We shall see. We've got three more issues of this, and then, and then ten fifty. Yes. And isn't there also like a call out return special too? I believe there is. Yes. Just can't get enough. Just can't get enough. Uh, we talked about the backup uh, very briefly. There's a backup called Red Red Moon that is going on through action. It's written by Phil Johnson, illust uh, illustrated by David Lapham. And uh, it's like it's taking the it's taking the war world story and it's putting it in a slightly different perspective. We're getting a perspective of sort of the uh, some of the villains of War World, and I forget her name already, and I should have written it down. It's but like the character Thaula or Thaula, 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 yeah, who was like sort of one of the impetuses for the War World story, and it's fine. We get some good Lapamar. We get to see uh, Connor Kent in the leather jacket, which is always appreciated. Um, it's fine. See, aside from the art, this is the stuff I specifically don't care about at all. Like I. I I I'm kind of mad that this is this story is even happening because I think all of these plot threads should have resolved with War World. Mm. I can I, see that, but I'll never turn down the David Lapham art. Yeah, but it, it could be it could be Lapham doing literally anything else. It should be him. It doing could be doing main... him doing the main story. Y yes, yes, and then guess guess what? I would like the main story a lot more than I do. This my, my distaste for this is mostly art based i think honestly yeah yeah i would much rather this book didn't have a backup and they just got lapham to do the main story you know that's never going to happen though right i mean it's like 10 extra pages but you know that's never going to happen right I don't know why it couldn't happen when they got Lapham to do like an entire one, like one shot leading into the tower. That was a long time ago. That was last year, Brian. That was only last was, year. Maybe this year. It might have been earlier this year. <laughs> was it, it was. Really? It was. It, it was. It was at the very beginning of the year. That feels. I if you had asked me when that was, I would have said at least two years ago. <laughs> It, it basically, You're insane. I, the I tower was, was the arc that like preceded this current Rom V run. No, there was like a little bit in the middle. There was a there was a, like a six issue arc called like the twelve or something. That's like right. That. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that feels like it was so much longer. You're right. Now that I'm thinking about it, like logically, that makes sense. But I really would have said it was two years ago. <laughs> What I was going to say, though, I feel like DC's new thing, the reason I was saying that was a long time ago, is I feel like the new attitude at DC is you get the prestigious artists to do the backup. Well, I think that's only just because Lapham is doing so many backups maybe, lately. Maybe that's and that's, that's that a way, very yeah. recent thing as well. Yeah. 
I would have happily given up the Gotham girl backups and all of these action backups so far just to have Lapham do this return of Kal-El three-issue arc. Yeah. Yeah, I could buy that. All right. Uh, Vincey, what is coming up next week on the 1st of November for us? Oh, thank you for saying the date. Uh, I, I, I aim to please. Um, let's see. It, uh, Batman and the Joker, the deadly duo, number one. Batman 129. Batman Nightwatch, number three. Blood Syndicate, season one, number six. Dark Knights of Steel, eight. Gotham City, year one, number two. Monkey Prince, eight. Poison Ivy, six. Sword of Azrael, four. The Joker, the man who stopped laughing, number two, and the new champion of Shazam, number three. How is it a real book, folks? <laughs> I can't get over how much of a Billy and the Truckosaurus, a Billy and the Clonosaurus name that is. Like it's just, <laughs> it is the worst. It is the worst <laughs> name you can imagine. Hi, I'm Troy McClure, and you might remember <laughs> me from such films as The Joker, the man who stopped laughing. Exactly. Yeah. I think he fused it with Truckosaurus there, which is one of the best all-time one-time Simpsons gags. Yeah. <laughs> which is uh, the voice with, with starring uh, Marlon Brando as the voice of John Truckosaurus. <laughs> I thought his name is John Truckosaurus. And then you hear a terrible and bar- uh, Marlon Brando impression. Then the narrator goes, celebrity voice impersonated. <laughs> uh, that's the time when the Simpsons had like nine jokes per, per minute, and it was the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah all right if you need to find two-thirds of us on twitter i am on twitter at brian needs a nap and i am at the woke of z if you need to find vince he is uh let's see what, what are you up to nowadays vince i'm um play playing pocket pool there we go he keeps a tiny billiard set in his jeans folks i do i do i don't know what else that could mean Uh, Nothing else. Nothing else at all. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. I'm too pissed off right now to do that. (laughs) I'm probably going to piss you off even more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I bet you you are. are. Yeah.